It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast, presented, of course, by DraftKings. I am Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. You guys know the drill. Washington, Dallas, Buffalo, New England, Cleveland. Got a bunch of podcasts. Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Fantasy Feast. Andrew Brandt does the business of sports on our platform. And, of course, the College Draft Podcast. The season is officially over, which means next season starts today. And there is no better place to get ready for the 2022 NFL Draft than right here, the College Draft Podcast. Check me out on social, at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod. But the star of this show, it's Emery Hunt. Check him out on social media at F-Ball Game Plan. He was a YouTube star before people even knew YouTube stars were a thing. Football Game Plan on YouTube. And then footballgameplan.com slash 2022 draft guide. Now is the time. It's crunch time. You're not focused on betting. You're not focused on fantasy. You're not focused on the Super Bowl. You are focused on the draft. You are focused on Emory Hunt, footballgameplan.com slash 2022 draft guide. Emory, refresh my memory, everybody else's, on the timing. I would say first week of March. So this year, it looks like it'll be running along the same timeline as the combine, which I hate because I want it out before the combine. Uh, but because this week we still have an all-star game to cover, you know, getting some guys graded. I've graded quarterbacks and uh, quarterbacks, running backs, and fullbacks, and now I'm going to start tight ends before I move on to receivers. But man, we're already at 260 something prospects already, um, and and it's it's going to be a big one this year because of the enhanced uh, class due to all the super seniors. So I'm somewhere around the lines the first week of March will will be complete. Awesome. Love it. Can't wait to get it. Can't wait to check it out. So we got two things for you. Three things, I guess. So next week, we're going to start to dive into getting ready for the combine, start to go over some of these positions and rankings ahead of time. Today, we've really got two things for you. What our scouting takeaways were from the Super Bowl. I know one of our patrons Emery, uh, Tuckheads J, patreon.com slash RT Media is where you can be one of our patrons. He said it's one of his favorite segments of the week when we take uh, what our scouting takeaways were from the game that we just watched in the postseason. So obviously the Super Bowl was last night. We're recording this Monday morning. Emery and I will have a bunch of scouting takeaways from the game. 
and then uh, the HBCU game. Now, this is a new one, Emery. So tell me about this game and what we need to know about it. Yeah, it's the inaugural HBCU Legacy Bowl, which takes place in my hometown, New Orleans, Louisiana, at Yulman Stadium, which is on the campus of Tulane University, where Tulane plays their home game. It's a week-long event. Uh, Practices start Tuesday, and they run until Friday, with the game being on Saturday on NFL Network. Um, I, I think 110 maybe HBCU prospects is almost like a HBCU senior bowl. So I'm excited to get down there and see this thing in its first iteration, you know, one, because it, it's something that was, that is needed. And it adds another all-star event to the calendar. And two, because it's going to be a unique event, man. And, and it's, it's going to be something that a lot of, it helps out a lot more prospects get seen in front of NFL scouts and just expands the all-star calendar to one more game. I think it's awesome. I think it's an awesome opportunity for those young men. I think Tulane Stadium is awesome. I've called a game there. I called UCF at Tulane there a couple years ago. Very cool stadium. Perfect stadium for something like this. And obviously New Orleans is a hotbed for the HBCUs with Grambling and Southern playing there every year. I think that's awesome. Uh, A little bit later in the show, we'll get into some of the prospects you will in particular have your eye on. Let's start, though, with the Super Bowl, man, because it's our last game to really talk about takeaways and what we need to know about the Super Bowl So, and, and about scouting based on the Super Bowl. So I'll, I'll start this time. And I, I guess the first one I have, Emery, is to not judge a book by its cover, so to speak. And I think I mean that as it relates to Cooper Cup. You know, I'll just say it, Emery. Maybe you would say it too. But I just don't think anybody ever thought he could be this because he's a white wide receiver from Eastern Washington. Let's be honest, right? Like, let's just put it out there, okay? There is no chance anybody thought a white wide receiver from Eastern Washington could win the Triple Crown in the NFL easily. Be the Super Bowl MVP. There's just no. I mean, Emery, you you're around it enough to know, and so am I. There are Power Five schools that would never offer a white wide receiver. I'm just telling you, they wouldn't. Uh, you know, not right or wrong. I'm, like, and look, there's other. We get in other things. They just wouldn't. So, I think that's one of my lessons, and that's for lots of things. That's for. Anybody playing any position, right? Like, no, but you just can't always judge a book by its cover, which I think people did. Some people did as it related to Cooper Cup. Otherwise, he would have been drafted higher. Completely agree, Ross. And we're not afraid to say that because it's the facts and it's the truth. And I remember having this conversation with folks during Cooper Cup's draft year when I was down at the Senior Bowl, and people were wondering if. You know, would his skills translate to this big week of work at the senior bowl? I'm like, bro, this dude broke all Jerry Rice records at the, in the FCS. Do you understand how long those records stood? So uh, Jerry Rice was a rookie in 85. So all of these records that had stood, what, this test of time for 30 years, this dude comes along and shatters these records. You know, total yardage records shattered it. 
Uh, so he's breaking Jerry Rice's records, and we know how high we high, we hold Jerry Rice. And this is another reason why I love what I do, football game plan, because you have that voice to say what's on your mind and to say what you believe and just trust what you see. Me and one of my my homeboys who was a part of football game plan when we were, you know, still we were, you know, in the beginning stages of the 07 to 09 era. And we had this same conversation watching uh, this kid's film, this running back out of a division two program. And we're like, bro, if this dude was black, this dude may be the next damn Barry Sanders. Like, why isn't he getting talked about? And that dude was Danny Woodhead. And so we was like, man, this dude's tape is nuts. Like anything <laughs> that doesn't draft him is stupid. And we saw he goes to the Jets and under Rex Ryan, and then they did they let him go. And then he goes and becomes Danny Woodhead. And it was like, man, how could you watch Cooper Cup terrorize the Pac-12 when they when they play Oregon, when they play Washington, and all the stuff he did at you know uh, in the Big Sky Conference in in the FCS, and not see this dude is legit good. And so. I agree with you. If he was if he was a black receiver, it would have been a no-brainer. Probably would have been a, a high second round pick. Um and you know, people just for whatever reason they it's the same white wide receivers don't get the same level of respect as black quarterbacks get uh don't get they, they're like one of the same as much as we talk about black quarterbacks and how they're slighted in the draft process, white receivers are the same way and it shows itself consistently throughout the draft process. There's a couple of guys Matter of fact, speaking of the, the Ivy League, you, you look at um, Justin Watson when he came out of Penn. It's like, man, this dude was a 6'2", 215, legit stud, was a star down at the East-West Shrine Bowl, and people view him as a special teams-only guy. Hopefully, now that he's moved on to Kansas City, he gets that opportunity to play some minutes within that wide receiver room instead of just being a, a solid core special teamer like he was in Tampa, but I agree with you. If it wasn't for that, uh, it'd be if you if you if it was a black receiver, he'd get more respect from defensive coordinators in terms of coverage. Um, they wouldn't leave him open, <laughs> you know. You know what I'm saying? Like he tends to get left open, and uh, people have much more respect for his game. But I'm glad he he won the triple crown, and he also uh, did what he did in the Super Bowl. My first scouting takeaway, uh, based off yesterday's game was talent trumps everything. When you look at, and if you trust talent, talent will win out every time. You talk about the Rams. Jalen Ramsey, star at his position, arguably the best at his position. Odell Beckham pre-injury, arguably one of the best at his position. You look at Aaron Donald, the best at his position. Von Miller, arguably one of the best rushers at his position, even at this juncture of his career. Whitworth was arguably one of the best linemen in his at his position uh, in his youth and in his heyday. If you trust talent, talent will help you out more often than not, and that's the biggest thing when you look at the the Rams. Stay talented, you know, it, whether it's via draft or free agency, just get talented players. And and on the Bengal side of things, oh, I'll, I'll give my second point later, but that that was my first takeaway that talent trumps everything. I got another one. And by the way, last thing on Cooper Cup, he's like 6'2", 210. Like, people, because he's white, they think he's like 5'8". It's like they just assume he's like a little slot guy. Like, he's not slow, and he's not small. 
Like it, it's, it's maddening. Um, the other one I would say, speaking of that, I think size is a little overrated. I mean, Aaron Donald, the only reason why he didn't go in the top 10 was because of his size. Man, that was a big miss for those teams. I mean, first of all, I can maybe hear the argument about weight, but people were making the argument about height. If you made an argument that Aaron Donald, you had concerns about him because of his height, you have no idea how interior line play works whatsoever. There's, I hated going against 5'11", six-foot dudes. You get no leverage on them. They're so low off the ground. You don't know what you're talking about. If you're, oh, he's only, he's only six foot, six one. That's great. Now, if you're concerned about his weight and you think maybe double teams can roll him off the ball a little bit, it's a little bit different. I can see the argument, but he's so quick. He's so good with his hands. He trumps that. And I'll give you another one. I feel like if Jamar Chase was six three, six four, he would have been the no-brainer to the Bengals, even though people wanted Sewell, or maybe even gone higher. Um, dude, I don't care that he's six foot. He plays like he's six five. He makes so many contested catches. I thought they should have given him the ball more last night. I thought they should have put him put the ball up in the air in his vicinity more often. Size is overrated. Ross, welcome to 2014 football game plan. Uh, we put out this book, Stiff Arming Football Myths, right? And one of them was that size is not a skill. That's one thing that I've said consistently. If you're good enough, you're big enough. And what people always miss when they talk about a person's size in terms of football is, bro, he, that's his size. He can't control that. So obviously, if he's going through his whole life at 6'1", 310 pounds or 290, and it got him to, to pit, which is a, a major program. It got him to the Senior Bowl, which shows that he dominated that pit. And it got him drafted, which tells you he's legit good. So his size doesn't matter. It, I say this all the time, but I'm usually I'm talking to it, talking about it in terms of running backs. When people say, "Well, he's you know, can he withstand? Can he run in between the tackles, bro? If you fast enough, it don't matter where you run. They ain't gonna catch you anyway. You think Warwick Dunn gave a, a, a crap about where?" You know, teams ran him. He was 5'8", 173, and ran for over 10,000 yards in the NFL. You think you you think he was worried about being 173, uh, 178, I'm sorry, you know, running in between the tackles in the NFL? No, you wanted to take Warwick done because of the things he did at Florida State. He was the closest thing to Barry Sanders that we had seen at that time. So, for me... Teams could people could miss me with that. That's why I had a, a first round grade on Russell Wilson. People's like, well, you know, will he be able to see over the line? It was like, bro, if you go back and look at who had the most batted passes at the line of scrimmage that year, it was Brock Osweiler, who's six fifteen. So that tells you all you need to know. Size is not a skill. If you're good enough, you're big enough. Um, my my second takeaway is more in line to uh, with regards to the Bengals. That proof positive, if you draft well, it doesn't take long to turn a football team around. Just ace the draft. The Bengals don't go out and get high-priced free agents. They don't go out and and throw away first-round picks or bring in uh, Odell Beckham or Matt Stafford or Von Miller. They just draft. And the reason why they've been competitive all throughout the time, you, you look at Marvin Lewis's 
uh, tenure, you look at Zach Taylor's uh, acquisition of talent. The Bengals have drafted rather well. And as long as you draft well, you get, let's say you have a standard seven picks in a draft. That's seven cheap players, good players that you can have until it's time to, you know, re up and pay. That's where they screw up, but they, they can't pay people. Um, or they're not willing to pay people and they go out and, and go elsewhere. But in terms of getting them while they're young and keeping that young talent pipeline going, that's the Bengals. And and it shows you it doesn't take long to turn a football team around. So when, so when coaches and GMs of losing franchises give you that lip service, like, well, you know, it's a process. It's a, you know, we're in year three of, of our six year process. Like, no, bro, draft well. You could turn your team around uh, pretty quickly because it ties to the first point. If you draft good players, You'll be just fine. Yeah, and the the thing I would piggyback off of that, they have by far the smallest scouting staff in the NFL. And I'm not saying like I I don't want anybody to lose their jobs. Like I I'm I'm not here for that. I know a lot of scouts. Um, there might be something to be said for less is more though. There there might be something to be said for lean and mean and focusing on what really matters. I, I don't know. Some of these staffs are so big. I don't know there's many teams that have drafted better than the Bengals over the last 15 years, maybe. You really look at Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap, and you really start to look at the guys they've gotten and where they've gotten them. They have drafted – well, maybe they just created a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs, and that's how they reach their network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. That way the Bengals can focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use those questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified. Then use simple tools on LinkedIn jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash draft. That's linkedin.com slash draft to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. But I mean, I mean, Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Jesse Bates, Logan Wilson, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. I mean, they've drafted a lot of good players in Cincinnati. My last one, and this is right up your alley. This is why Emery's the co-host of this show. This is why you all should get the footballgameplan.com slash 2022 draft guide. There are good players everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, everybody talks about the stars, and you did. Emery for the Rams, starting linebacker Troy Reader from Delaware. Darius Williams making plays at corner, UAB. I mean, you go down the line, Nick Scott was a running back turned special teamer 
at Penn State. I know he went to Penn State, but he was a running back turned special teamer. You start to look at some of these guys and who's playing, and you can get guys any of these places. You look at uh, Greg Gaines in the fourth round. You know, one of their best special teamers, Michael Hoyt, he's a D lineman from Brown that plays on special teams for them. There's players everywhere, and I think people don't spend enough time really looking at that and realizing that Emory does. Emory, it's why Emory's like Mr. FCS, Mr. Ivy League, Mr. Everything that's not Power 5 because he realizes how many other and, – and by the way, Emory played FBS and still loves all the lower levels or even other leagues. Yeah, it, it, Ross, first of all, you're a pro, son, because the way you weaved in that LinkedIn read, <laughs> that was flawless. You had me going in the first half, Ross. That was flawless. <laughs> <laughs> but you're absolutely right, bro. And and it's it's so true when you think about um why I'm excited about the the USFL, right? And I, I hate when I see other you know NFL writers or football writers, whether college or pro, poo-poo these alternate leagues because we know there's way more talent than there are spots in the NFL. So there's enough talent to support an alternate league, um, you know, uh, out there right now. And I wrote this article back in 2017 on, on footballgameplan.com, you know, saying the NFL, if it wanted to, can go straight G League model and each team could have their own developmental team or minor league team. So let's say if you have a team, let's say the New Orleans Saints, their their minor league team would be in Baton Rouge. Or if you have a team uh, like the Giants or Jets, their minor league team would be in Staten Island or in Long Island, right? So you could have a team in the same media market as your team. Because if we, if we keep it a buck, you're bringing 90 guys to camp. So that 45 or 50 that you're going to cut, that's your developmental team. So that way you keep these guys in football shape. You can run the games concurrently as the NFL. You can play your games on Wednesday or, and may have a guy ready for Sunday. Or if a guy's called up, he won't play on Wednesday. But at least you're keeping these guys in football shape. Uh, you can run the, the games on your team website. So they, there is more than enough talent. And when people talk about, uh, well, if, if this guy was good, he would have got drafted higher. Or if he was good, he would have went to X, Y, and Z school. Like I told a story before, man, You know, I knew who Josh McCown was before the people figured out who he was. like Because we lost to Josh McCown uh, when I was in college when we played Sam Houston. And this dude was like Michael Vick out there. So when he started for the Cardinals, I was like, oh, they're going to be fine. And he's throwing to a rookie, Anquan Bolden, um, out there wide receiver. So it's like there's way more talent than there is spots in the NFL. So, yeah, if, if you are able to acquire talent, and that's why the Rams – were able to do what they were able to do with those early first round picks and trade them away because they were nailing the Troy readers undrafted out of Delaware Concordia St. Paul's Chris Garrett, who they drafted last year in the seventh round was one of the top TFL leaders in division two, one of the top sack leaders in division two, they got him in round seven. And most people thought that was a throwaway pick. No, that's a really good football player that dominated his level of competition. You talk about Michael uh, Hoach. Uh, you know, of Brown, I know for a fact CFL really wanted him to come up there and play. He'd be a starter because of his athleticism, 
But, you know, he's been – the Rams don't want to let him go, so they found a role for him because he's that good. Yeah, he may be the special teamer, but if he gets an opportunity to play in the regular defense, you'll see why teams thought highly of him and his ability to rush across the front. So, yeah, there's talent everywhere, and people need to understand um, that aspect of, of scouting, which is why I love the process because it will be easy for me to put out a draft guide that's 150 players you know, long um, and do the – go to the easy route that a lot of these draft analysts do, but no, man. Like, so that's why my stuff is, you know, robust in terms of prospects because outside of the first two rounds, that's when the draft gets interesting. And also after the draft, that eighth round, we like to talk about when we talk about undrafted free agents, that's where you really shine. It shows your scouting chops and to be able to somebody get signed and everybody laughing their way through the sign. Like who the hell is this guy? Who's this guy? And you'll see me do this constantly, Ross, while I tweet out the scouting report like this is who this guy is. And here's a write up on him and why he probably should have been drafted or this is why he's been being picked up by this football team, because he's a pro level player of what level. That's a, that's neither here nor there. But the fact that he should be on a pro roster uh, is why I, I, I'm excited for the USFL. I'm excited for the XFL in 2023. I'm always excited about the CFL. So, I, yeah, to your point, there is so much talent out there. Uh, that needs to be, you know, recognized in terms of being pro-level guys. So if you're not in just because you're not in the NFL doesn't mean you're not a good football player. There's only so many spots. Speaking of that, you are heading down to New Orleans because of what we talked about earlier, the HBCU uh, Bowl this week. Who are some of the guys you have an eye on or that are, are some of the guys either you like or some of the better prospects that will be there? Well, we talk a lot about Quill Glass, the quarterback of Alabama A&M. He's, he was the first um, announcement to that game. So that's a special award for him. Uh, but there's another quarterback in Jawan Pass, Puma Pass, if you remember when he was at Louisville, was a guy that unfortunately had to follow Lamar Jackson um, after he went off uh, during his time as a Cardinal. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for him at Louisville, but he found some success at Prairie View A&M. Um, he was with uh, Eric Dooley, who's a really smart football coach. He's now the head coach at Southern. Uh, but he had him in that offense that was tailored to his skill set, and he put together a very strong season at Prairie View. So now we'll get to see how he is going to, you know, acquiesce himself to uh, the pro game and if he can elevate his stock. So I thought he was uh, someone that is of intrigue in this game. Ezra Gray the running back out of Alabama State. We saw him uh, tear up Jackson State in the spring season um, when he ran for over 200-plus yards. He's someone that's 5'9", about 171. I thought he was a little bit bigger than that, but he measured in about 170. Um, but size is not a skill. Uh, he plays bigger than that listed size, and he's someone that's, that's explosive. He can fly. And to be honest, I think he could even be a slot receiver if he chose to. He came in as a receiver at Alabama State, but Donald Hill, Illy, the head coach at the time, was like, man, we, we just want the ball in your hand. So we put him at running back, and he he was doing damage there. Uh, and, and on the sticking on the offense, wide receiver Trey Gross, I've I seen a lot of his games because uh, he's in the MEAC, and I call a lot of uh, Morgan State games. And when Morgan State played Delaware State or when Howard played Delaware State, Gross is someone that was always out there. He's, a, he's and playing well. He's 6'3", about 210 pounds. Um Plays on special teams, even had a block punt this year 
but he's a receiver that can really get up and go. He can go get the football at the highest point. I saw him down at the FCS Bowl back in December, and he played really well there. Got the call up to the Tropical Bowl, which was in January, the you know mid part of January, part of that Hula Bowl, Tropical Bowl week. Balled out there as well. I know a lot of scouts were interested in his size. They saw that he tested well at that size at the HBCU Combine, I want to say two weeks ago. So there's a lot of buzz surrounding Trey Gross out of Delaware State. And Jay Jackson Williams, the, the old lineman out of Florida AM, was a, a he played left tackle for FAMU. Uh, he transferred in from Florida State, but I think he's probably going to be a guard at the next level. He's got good athleticism, good movement skills, but having that experience playing tackle definitely helps him out um, in terms of his versatility. And, and lastly, you look at Joshua Flowers, defensive back out of Winston-Salem State. He started his career at LIU Post which is up here in Long Island. And if that name post sound familiar, yes, that's the post of uh, the cereal brand, uh, you know, conglomerate. That's who started that school. They're now known as Long Island University as they've merged with LIU Brooklyn. Uh, but he transferred to Winston-Salem. So he's 6'2", 200 pounds, can play safety, corner. So has that versatility that you look for on the back end. And he's someone uh, that's coming off a very good HBCU combine. And I know a lot of scouts are excited to see him in this game. He also had a really good, FCS Bowl as well when I was down there uh, showing his ability as a matchup corner, uh, being able to win one-on-one against these shorter, quicker wide receivers. So despite him being tall, he's someone that definitely has the ability to play corner on the outside at the, at the uh, pro level. Love it, Emery. Absolutely love it. Fired up to see how those guys perform this week and fired up to start to really dive into your prospects at each position starting next week here. Gosh, before you know, I guess we're one, two, we're 10 weeks away from the NFL draft. Perfect timing. I know Ross Tucker Football Podcast isn't daily anymore. It's three times a week. If you haven't already, this is the show to add to your repertoire. Check him out on social media at FBall Game Plan. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We're always at Ross Tucker Pod or YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. The keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mentioned DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 